Before we get to our guest, I wanted to talk to you about something that's really important to me, which is privacy. Moving money around, moving information, sending messages in today's world with Web 3.0 coming down the pike, privacy is very critical, especially to a journalist like myself. Utopia P2P is a complete privacy ecosystem. It's a 360 degree approach to privacy. It includes everything you need to move information or value around the world. It includes a encrypted messenger service, an email platform, and cryptocurrency payment system. It's fully decentralized, so it's not on any main server. It's based on blockchain, so it's distributed. It has an unmatched level of security. It has a feature-rich toolkit on the system uh, that supports 28 languages. There's a very low barrier to entry, and it also supports Bitcoin and also their coin internally. So if you're looking for a way to move information and money around the world where you don't want prying eyes uh, looking at what you're doing, go to Utopia P2P and have complete privacy on their system. And now let's get to our guest. Uh, today in American Conversations, we have Reggie Littlejohn. And Reggie has been fighting against uh, sex slavery and uh, forced abortions in China for decades. Uh, welcome, Reggie. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Well, listen, um, what you guys are doing is fabulous because uh, everybody's focused on the COVID. We're focused on China. The Olympics are coming up in several weeks. Uh, the world is sending their Olympics there and they're walking right into the gates of hell. First of all, tell us about Women's Rights Without Frontiers, which you founded, because let's, let's get to that and, and evolve into what this new task force is to, to fighting the genocide games in China. Well, thank you for asking. So I'm an attorney. Um, I'm a graduate of Yale Law School. I have represented a couple cases of refugees in their cases for political asylum. And this was in the 90s. I, that, through that representation, I found out that what China was saying about the one-child policy was a lie, which is that it was voluntary. I found out that it is uh, was enforced through forced abortion up to the ninth month of pregnancy, forced sterilization, even infanticide. And so I left the practice of law and founded this organization, Women's Rights Without Frontiers, to advocate originally against forced abortion in China. We now have expanded that advocacy to um, oppose gendercide, the sex selective abortion of baby girls. And we are, we're saving baby girls uh, from, from poverty, but also from sex selective abortion and, ban and abandonment and also uh, rural widows who are extremely impoverished and, and even there's a big suicide problem among them. Yeah. Anyway, when I found out, um, one of the things we also have been pressing for is to the acknowledgement that Chinese Communist Party is committing genocide in Xinjiang. Right. And the connection for me with that is that one of the big ways they are committing genocide is through forced abortion, forced sterilization, and infanticide. And they're also doing horrific things like systematic rape, but not just raping women. It's like raping women in front of a group of other women in order to just brutalize them and terrorize them. Forced organ harvesting um, of the Uyghurs, but also Falun Gong and also other prisoners of conscience, including uh, Christians uh, and, and religious persecution. Uh, organ harvesting. So that's where I, together with Frank Gaffney, decided to found this thing called the Genocide Games to publicize the fact that China has no business hosting the Olympic Games. 
Well, let, let's. Uh, I've been covering human trafficking for 22 years across the globe. And one of the things I think that people do not understand, because when they think of, of trafficking, they think of just sex or they think of labor, they think of the internet, they think of the street, they don't understand organ trafficking, they don't understand the scope of organ trafficking, they don't understand medical trafficking at all, and they don't understand forced abortion. Which is a which is a tool that the traffickers use. It's not just in China for for what they want to do in terms of the gender, but it's a tool that they use against women so that they can return them out into the field again for sexual slavery. So I think I mean this this is this is where the rubber meets the road in terms of everything happening in China right now in terms of the game because it turns the spotlight on China. Tell us about the task force and what you guys plan to do because the games begin February fourth. Right, which is which is horrible. It should not be happening. So originally with the task force, one of the first things we did is I testified at the United States Congress back in May of 2021. Um, as I mentioned, I'm an attorney. And, and what I was saying is that under the genocide convention to which the United States is, States is a signatory, and there right. are 100, over 150 other nations that are signatories, we are required to punish and prevent genocide. And we've officially designated China as committing genocide. So we should be punishing them. So one of the big ways to not punish them is by honoring them to have the Olympic Games. Now, in that hearing, I advocated the position that the game should be moved. And even though they're happening in, on February 4th, I still think that they should be moved or that we should boycott them. Um, we're doing a diplomatic boycott. That just All that means is that senior officials are not going to show up. It does nothing to stop Xi Jinping and that murderous regime from using the Olympic Games as a, a, a public relations bonanza for two weeks. And if you conclude include the Paralympic Games, it's going to be more like three weeks. They're just going to be up there every day, all day, talking about what a great system China is. And no one is going to be covering the fact that they are you know, basically murdering people in, in Xinjiang and elsewhere. So, so that's what the genocide games is doing, and we've we've issued a new call to the athletes and to the the United States Olympics Committee to get the message out to the athletes that they should not attend because of their uh, for their own protection. So this has to do with a new coronavirus outbreak mm -hmm. that's been happening in China over the last couple of weeks, and they have locked down. Last time I looked, it was. 20 million it, it's probably more by now people including 13 million people in xian and then also tianjin is uh, is having uh, at least partial lockdowns but there are cities that are close to beijing like tianjin is only a 30 minute train ride from beijing right. that are locked down because of this outbreak of the coronavirus so for our athletes for their trainers for everybody you know, they are subjecting themselves to a situation where they could get the coronavirus, number one. And then number two, there is also in Xi'an an outbreak of hemorrhagic fever, which is a horrific and potentially uh, fatal condition. So we're saying that because of that, that we're calling on um, the United States Olympics Committee to, to um, encourage athletes not to attend for their own health, for their own safety. What you, Reggie, this is, go ahead. Do you, do you have any insight actually into uh, the diseases? I mean, there's been a lot of rumors that it's some kind of combination. I mean, do you, do you have good information on that it's corona and also possibly 
another breakout of hemorrhagic fever or, or anything? Uh, what do you I, know I don't have that, any inside insight into that. All, mm -hmm. I, all I know is what I read in the papers and mm -hmm. um, hemorrhagic fever, I understand, and I'm not a doctor, mm -hmm. is caused by the hunter virus, uh, mm -hmm. which is uh, it's a, it's spread by rodents mm -hmm. and it's just a horrific condition that is potentially fatal, but that's not the only reason mm -hmm. that, the, that we are encouraging the athletes not to attend. The other reason is that they need to seriously consider this. Okay. As soon as they set foot on Chinese soil, and especially in that Olympic village, which the Chinese communist party has been touting as a bubble and that they're all going to be right. contained. Yeah. They're going to be contained. They're going to be contained in the greatest surveillance state in the world. And the yeah. athletes need to understand China is trying to get them to use some kind of special coin, special kind of currency inside the Olympic village. That's an app on your phone. Who knows what else is on that app on your phone? Sure. Right? Of course. I, I, I think that they're, that every text message, every phone call, um, where they are at all times, their 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 facial recognition they're all going to be surveilled and i would not be surprised if they don't have surveillance cameras in their hotel rooms so number mm -hmm. one that's a huge invasion of privacy just privacy but privacy number two, i understand that the chinese communist party is going to be slightly opening up the internet inside of the olympic village for the international mm -hmm. visitors including the athletes what is going to happen if an athlete decides to send out a text message or post online free Tibet or I yeah. stand with Hong Kong or stop Uyghur genocide. What's they passed, to them? they passed that law. Was it last year, year and a half ago that basically said that anybody who's a Chinese citizen who criticizes, for instance, if a student is going to Georgetown university and they, and they're in a classroom where someone criticizes the CCP, that Chinese student could be uh, arrested. So, I mean, it will be very interesting to see how they enforce it if you've got foreigners on their soil who criticize the CCP. Right. So, mm -hmm. so, so that law has to do with Chinese citizens all over the world. Right. But if you're on Chinese soil and you criticize the government, you're breaking Chinese law. And, and that I, village, that that village, does not have diplomatic uh, immunity. Right. It, 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 it does not have diplomatic immunity. It's not the same as an embassy. Mm -hmm. So we don't know what the Chinese Communist Party is going to do to athletes and others associated with them if they take a, a stand against uh, human rights violations. And to my knowledge, the United States Olympics and Paralympics Committee and the United States government has not revealed any kind of a plan of what they're going to do should one of our athletes do something like that. Let's talk about the corporate sponsorship because uh, the Olympic Committee would, is mm -hmm. funded by corporate sponsors. Have you guys reached out to any of the corporate sponsors for this, Reggie? Oh, sure. I mean, so we've, we have a couple of, of open letters and uh, those open letters, uh, at least one of them was sent uh, to the, co the corporate sponsors. Uh, and not only that, I mentioned that I had testified before Congress in May of, of last year, 2021. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, uh, hearing had to do with human rights violations in China, but the Congressional Executive Commission on China, and I think it was the Lantos Commission together, had another hearing a couple months later of the corporate sponsors, because mm -hmm. we pressed them to do that during the May hearing. And they asked 
various corporate sponsors, the representatives of them, all kinds of questions about why aren't they taking a stand against human rights in China and 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 you know why aren't they withdrawing their sponsorship? And over and over again, they all had it appeared to me the same talking points over and over again. We do not decide where the Olympics are going to be. We need to stand behind the athletes. It was mind-numbing. It was mind-numbing and enraging to, to listen to them. So you, sh you should send us that link because when we post this interview, I want to put up that link because people need to understand the corporate complicity with which Washington is run. Well, see, th th this is the thing. For them to say, you know, we don't determine where the Olympics are is ridiculous because of course they don't determine where the Olympics are. And, and they decide they, they signed up as, as uh, corporate sponsors before the genocide determination came out. But if they wanted to, they could take a stand and say, whoa, China has, it has come out and China is officially designated as committing genocide. We're withdrawing our corporate sponsorship. And that, you know, I, I, I can't imagine that that could be a critici criticized other than that they're going to lose a lot of money um, and they're going to endanger their business relationship with China, not just concerning the Olympics, but their entire business relationship. And then the other thing is for them to say, we stand behind the athletes. Okay, what, what, what does it mean to stand behind the athletes? You know, the athletes obviously have spent their lives preparing for this. This is their chance to shine, maybe win a gold medal on behalf of our nation. They don't want to do that on, a, on, on, on soil that is running with the blood of genocide to say nothing of 400 million forced abortions and sterilizations. If, if I were an athlete, what I would have felt really supported by would be if the corporate sponsors, if the United States uh, Olympics Committee would have said, you know what? China's human rights record has actually deteriorated since they held their last Olympics, the summer game in 2008. And now all, now they're committing genocide. So we're going to move the games and we're going to delay it by a year. So the Tokyo games were delayed by a year because of coronavirus. I don't see any reason the Beijing games can't be delayed by a year because of genocide. And hold it in a country that is not actively committing genocide so that the, the athletes can compete with a clear conscience. Well, Reggie, what is it that people don't understand about the Communist Party in China? I mean, it is not an ideology. It's a way of life. And I think that that is really missing from what a lot of people, you know, just do not understand. It's a commodification of human beings. That is what socialism, communism is. The other, you know, the big entity, the big government's going to make the decision for you and you lose your rights. So, you know, we've all talked about Uyghurs for a long time. We've all talked about the human trafficking in and out and across in China for a very long time. I can remember 22 years ago, I was being told by the Interpol uh, founder of the Human Trafficking Committee that 25 million people went missing in China over, over human trafficking. So, I mean, the numbers are there. What is it that it's going to take to get people to realize this is not this is not Santa Claus that they're dealing with? Gosh, Christine, I wish I could answer your question, give a positive answer. I don't know what it's going to take. Okay, so 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 this is the thing. 
let's say the mainstream media is is it seems to be covering over for China. So to the extent that everybody is just watching the mainstream media, then I don't see how they're ever going to learn. It. I mean, they have to watch people like you to to get the real story. And most you know, this is not mainstream. But God bless mm -hmm. you for doing it. And and concern and concerning um, the way of life of the Chinese Communist Party and that it's all encompassing. They have the opposite of the way of life of, of America. So right. we were founded by people who were people of faith. We believe in inalienable rights that come from God. That is the, it is the government's um, responsibility to protect. That is the purpose of the government. Whereas in China, they do not believe in God. They are officially atheistic. They persecute anyone who believes in God of any religion. And so because they put themselves into the position of being God, they say that they determine what the rights are and that rights are whatever the government says they are. Now, the frightening thing about this, Christine, is that that kind of thinking is coming to the United States through another made in China thing, which is the coronavirus. Right. So we have these emergency authorizations where it's very Chinese, Chinese, Chinese party style where the government says we're having an emergency and therefore we're determining what your rights are and you no longer have the right to leave your home or whatever it is. So that is that is frightening and it's, it's a way of thinking that is imported from China. So how do we how do we get the word out what you guys are going to do? I mean, the, the Olympics, when it starts in the fourth, uh, you know, it'll be carried. It'll, everybody see the opening ceremonies and everything like that. I mean, if you reached out to other uh, embassies in D.C., are you guys talking to other foreign governments who are concerned about this? I mean, is anybody basically saying, OK, we're, we're joining? Who's who's part of your group? I guess we okay. want to know who's supporting so the group. Let's the first thing that. I would do is point you to the um, our initial uh, letter, open letter to Biden. There's a hundred major influencers that signed that with us. But what we're doing right now is we have um, an, a, an Align Act um, campaign online. So it's genocidegames.org, genocidegames.org. And uh, you can get on this, uh, click click on the link and take action. Now, as of several days ago, there were 36,000 actions. You can send you know, an email directly to the U.S. Olympic Committee, directly to me members of Congress, directly to the White House, directly to the sponsors. It's a very powerful program. And we would encourage everyone to go to genocidegames.org and do that. And then the other thing is, don't watch the games, you know, mm -hmm. like NBC that's broadcasting the games. They are depending on huge advertising revenues uh, generated by that. Don't watch it. Watch something else. We're going to come up with some like some kind of an event that's happening at the same time as the opening ceremonies. And ours are not going to have the fireworks, you know, right. it's not gonna have any of the glitz, but it will be an insight into what's really going on in China. Well, that'd be great. That'd be great. You have to let us know about that so we, we can we can promote that and come back and in an interview Thank on you. that topic. Um, Reggie, is there anything else we should know now? Because we're the middle of you know we're we're two and a half weeks out from the games. It's now J January fifteenth. What else can you tell us? I mean, uh, again, tell us how to get to your website. Tell us how to get to the uh, genocide website one more time before we sign off. So my website is womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org. Womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org is a long name. 
Genocide Games is just genocidegames.org. Um, we're also going to have a, an online campaign like on Twitter, and we have memes there that people can post. Um, and, you know, I would just say that this is not it's, this is not hopeless. It might feel hopeless, but I don't think it is hopeless because there are people who are standing up. So, for example, um, Ennis Cantor Freedom, mm -hmm. the basketball mm -hmm. player, has taken a very strong stand. I just admire him hugely. Mm -hmm. The Women's Tennis Association, there's a woman named um, Peng Shui who accused a major senior uh, minister at, in China, retired, of rape. Mm -hmm. uh, and she kind of disappeared for a few weeks. And the Women's Tennis Association confronted the Chinese Communist Party and they said, we don't care if you cut us off. We stand behind our players. That's what it means to stand behind your players. And there was a snowboarder recently um, that had a picture of himself taken with a woman from Tibet and holding the flag of Tibet. So these are just the, the, the most courageous people on the very front lines. And we're just hoping and praying that others will follow them. And that and I think that if, if just one Olympic athlete would stand up and say, I'm, I'm not going because of genocide or because of the coronavirus, I think that there would be a domino effect. So I would call any Olympic athlete that's thinking about this to please have the courage and just do it. It would have an enormous impact. Well, you know, you'd, you'd think that the athletes would take into consideration the number of athletes who have either, um, as a result of the vaccine shots, okay, uh, have received a heart inflammation ailments or dropped dead. You'd think that a lot of the athletes worldwide would say, well, wait a minute, do I really want to risk this? Because to get into the games, you have to be vaccinated. Yeah. Last time I read, you have to be vaccinated or they'll quarantine you for 21 days. What so chance do you think you have of, of winning an Olympic medal if everybody else is out there working out as hard as they can and you're in quarantine in your hotel room for 21 days? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a Chinese way of uh, thinking and Chinese way of living. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's amazing. It's amazing how the CCP works and people, people have no idea, you know, just how restrictive it really is really is. Well, Reggie, thank you for joining us and please come back. Okay. As you proceed and as this campaign goes forward, because I'm, we certainly want to know what's going to, what you guys are going to produce on the uh, opening during the opening act. Thank you so much for having me and I'll be pleased to come back. Thank you okay. very much for getting the word out. I really appreciate it. Thank you.